You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness Men's Basketball here on all our NCAA digital platforms, I'm Andy Katz. Well, on this edition of our podcast, I will be joined by Providence head coach Ed Cooley, Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren, one of the best players in the country, and Travis Williams, who is coordinating the HBCU All-Stars uh, debut at the Final Four. Tremendous event that's going to occur, giving great exposure and opportunities to HBCU players in Division One and Two at the Final Four. And also on Cat's Ranks, my top 10 title contenders, okay? Top 10 title contenders. Not my top 10 rankings, but top 10 title contenders. Uh, that's all coming up here on our podcast. We are now officially in mid-February. I think we can say that this week. Uh, in about a week's time, we'll get our top 16 that occurs on February 19th. We're going to start having a little more brackets here on NCAA Digital. So all that's going to start happening. Uh, this past weekend, we had the first of two Duke Carolina games. Last game for Coach K at Chapel Hill, and Duke destroyed the Tar Heels. And let's be honest, um, North Carolina's in trouble. Tar Heels are 8-4, and 16-7 as I'm taping this. They are 0-7 against Quad 1. And they don't have many opportunities left at Virginia Tech and at Duke. They got to win at least one of those two and probably do something in the NCAA tournament. You know, the ACC, Duke can win the title. And then after that, I'd say Notre Dame looking great right now. They're nine and three. And then I think Wake and Miami will get in. And then Carolina, do they become the fifth team? Virginia is starting to play better at 14 and nine. They've won two in a row, but, you know, they've dug themselves a deep hole. Same with Florida State and Syracuse. Florida State's been all over the map. Syracuse has been up and down. Virginia Tech has been sporadic. You know, all those teams at times have looked like tournament teams, but the numbers don't play out. So could there only be four? I don't think there'll be three, but yeah, there could be four. Can they get five or six? They still can, and there's work to be done. So that's the ACC, uh, which I think will be very interesting to track. You know, the Big Ten, could they get as few as six? It's possible. I don't think it'll happen. Those six being Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana. Iowa at 15 and seven, five and six. They got more work to do. I think they'll get there. Michigan at five and five at 11 and nine. They have a lot more work to do. A lot. They got to get some quad one wins. So does Iowa, really. You know, Rutgers is a really interesting scenario. At seven and five and 13 and nine overall, they've got those two horrible losses early in the year to Lafayette and UMass. They got to make those up. They have to make those games up in some form or fashion. How do they do so? Well, 
They've got eight games left. Six of those eight are against teams that are going to be in the field. The other two are Michigan and Penn State. Um, I think if they go 11 and nine or 12 and eight in the Big Ten, that means they're getting more quad one wins. I think they'll get in, even if they're 17 and 13 or 18 and 12. So they're an interesting team to track in the next couple of weeks. You know, in the Big 12, for a long time, we felt like could they end up getting, you know, three fourths of the entire league in? And the question was, it's plausible. But the problem right now is you've got West Virginia two and seven. I think they're trending out. I mean, two and seven in the Big 12. Iowa State at three and seven. They're on shaky ground. Oklahoma at three and seven. They're on shaky ground. So all three of them really have work to do. TCU just lost to K-State. K-State's 12 and 10. TCU's 15 and five. Let's see what happens with those two teams. I mean, right now, because Oklahoma State's not eligible, I feel 100% confident in Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas. Boom. So that's four. A lot of work to do with the rest of the teams. Big East, Providence, Villanova, Marquette, UConn, I think are locks. I think Xavier will be fine. That's five. So now what happens to Creighton, Seton Hall? Ultimately, I think they both get in. And that gives the Big East, you know, seven out of 11. I would take that today if I'm Val Ackerman and run away and, and, that, and I, that's it. Goodbye. See ya. Um, the other two leagues I really are interesting. There's three, actually. Uh, well, four. I'm going to go four real quick with you. You know, first, um, going in order here, the Mountain West. Oh, before I go, you know, Loyola Chicago was a lock early to get in no matter what. I don't see that right now. They have work to do. They're getting competition by Northern Iowa, Drake, and Missouri State. So that could be a one-bid league. Could be two. Mountain West, Boise State, Wyoming, Colorado State, San Diego State, all looking really good. But I feel most comfortable, believe it or not, with Boise State and Wyoming. The way they're playing right now, Wyoming was our national team of the week. By the way, Kofi Coburn was our national player of the week. Uh, Colorado State and San Diego State still work to do. They could get four. No question about it. The Mountain West Conference could get four. Pac-12, feel very good about Arizona, UCLA. I think Oregon and USC will get there. Washington State, they won five in a row. So they could get five. You know, Colorado and Stanford have had opportunities. Washington's played better in the Pac-12 than non-conference. But I think they could get five with Washington State being the fifth, which, you know, they got six. They've, been got, they've gotten six, but five after sort of a shaky start, I think they would take. The SEC, Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, four locks. Alabama's been all over the map, but they got the resume. That's five. Now it gets interesting. Mississippi State, Florida, LSU, three teams that have been, you know, in, out, in, out at different times this season. So they could go from anywhere from five to eight and somewhere in between. And then the WCC. There's been so much talk. Are they going to get four? Are they going to get four? I think Max is going to be three. BYU's played themselves out at five and five in the league. I mean, San Diego and Santa Clara have better records, six and five and six and three. So I think Gonzaga and St. Mary's are going to get in. I think San Francisco will get in, maybe a first four. And that may be it. BYU is really struggling right now. So that's where I see the landscape right now here in the second full week of February. So that's where we stand. Team that I think could win the title, and we're going to talk about them in Cats ranks, is Providence. Up next, Ed Cooley. And joining me here on March Madness Men's Basketball, Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence. And uh, Ed, I know you knew 
You had a senior-laden team, a veteran team, especially after last season. But what are the chances you thought this team would be this good this late into the season? You know, I, I didn't. I just knew we had a, a fundamental group. I knew we had an older group. We had a fun group. We had a determined group. And, you know, March 13th have been sketched on our board since the summer workouts. And, you know, we've been really fortunate to win some close games. We've been really fortunate to, you know, stay somewhat injury free somewhat because we did lose AJ for a month and Jared for two weeks, three weeks. So um, it's been a fun group to be around. But to say we would be where we're at right now back in September. No, I I wouldn't say that. So I I talked to so many of your peers about building these rosters in this COVID era. And, you know, you got to take chances and gambles. But what was it about Al Durham that you thought he would match well with this Providence group? Well, you know, we recruited Al out of high school and, you know, so we knew him and we knew the family. Uh, We played against him last year in the Maui slash Asheville, you know, holiday tournament. He played really well against us and I just liked his dynamic. You know, he's a he's a combo guard. He can play on and off the ball. Um, You know, uh, I just thought he fit what we were trying to do with leadership. And then, you know, I think about a player like Noah Horkler, you know, when guys were coming back, he wasn't a headline name. But his importance to this team has been invaluable. That's for me on the outside. What has it meant to you? On the inside, invaluable. You know, he's such a weapon. He's a great rebounder. He, he does it in a silent way. He makes timely baskets. He gets timely rebounds. Um, he's, he's a silent assassin. If there, was, if there ever was an award for invaluable award. You know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, he, he gets that in a runaway with my team because he's somebody that not a lot of people pay attention to yet have to pay attention to him. And then Nate, you know, I, I think some of your big names, I mean, Nate Watson, again, comes back finally healthy. I remember doing your games at the beginning of last season and he just wasn't, you know, hundred percent yet because of the knee. Uh, how would you describe what his season has been like? His leadership has been unbelievable when he's not in the game, keeping guys positive in practice, keeping guys positive on the bench, um, you know, just his presence on the floor. And what, what's what's ironic is his number production is down, but his efficiency is up. You know, so, you know, a great teammate. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal teammate, better person than player teammate. He just gives us a presence that you have to account for him when he's on the floor. And I know that the point guard position has been a bit of an Achilles heel the last couple of years. And then finally, now you're seeing, you know, some stability with that position. What has that meant? It's been like a two and a half head monster force, you know, with Bynum, who clearly relishes being the sixth man and has made us a better team because of that sacrifice, you know, and then you have Al Dorm that can play on and off the ball. And, you know, when Bynum was out, using Alan Breed as a combo. So, you know, we've done it as a committee, yet Bynum has really taken over that position that allows Durham to be freed up to let him roam around and do what he does. So as great as things have gone, um, you guys did not escape the pause. Uh, and yours came at an odd time. It was later than a lot of these other schools. And you also were in Omaha. I'm just curious if there was any PTSD of like, oh boy, here we go. You know, when it, when it, the timing of when it hit you guys. It was, and, and, I, and I think you used the word trauma in a great way because right to my mind that came was when we were on the bus prior to the big shutdown back in March of 20, when we were playing as well as anybody in America. You know, so I'm like, oh, come on, not this again. The kids are playing well. 
you know, we I think we had one, two or three games in a row after the Marquette game at Marquette. So I'm like, come on, fellas. And we had three quality opponents, quality, quality opponents, one of which was at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. So kind of frustrated us a little bit. But I say, guys, control what we can. If we can make them up, great. If not, we just got to continue to improve and get better as a unit. So to that point, uh, as we're talking here on Monday, you know, the Big East told me over the weekend I was at the Villanova game that what they don't want to do is have a team, whether it's Providence or another team, play back-to-back weeks of three games, and we're kind of running out of dates. And you've got that at Creighton, at Seton Hall, home, UConn. What, what, what can you tell us is the latest on those three? Still the same. You know, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get them in based on our schedule and based on the three of their schedules. And that's the one thing, you know, our players want to play. We want to play. Obviously, anytime you can play at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, you know, you're going to, it's a guaranteed sellout when you play in there. You know, going down to Seton Hall, that's always a tough place to play. You know, going out to Omaha, Dollar Beer Night is always fun environment there. So control what we can, Andy, you know, control what we can. We know we got a tough week this week with respect to, you know, we're off for a little while, which we need, but we have a hungry DePaul team and a great Villanova team coming to play. You know, you've been in, this position of obviously, you know, a tournament type team, but if things stay at least somewhat consistent here, you're going to have your best seed since you've been there. I know we're way ahead, but I'm just curious in general, what has that meant in the past to where you haven't had that? And, you know, right off the bat, uh, you're in a very difficult situation that this really could, you know, this team is playing well. You've put yourself in a great position. You have great wins, home, road, neutral. What are you looking forward to if all that does materialize? Well, obviously, you know, seating is important. Seating is very, very important. You know, if, if it gives you the greatest opportunity to advance. And that's something that we haven't had the fortune of since I've been the head coach here is to advance in the tournament. And that's the goal. But in order to continue to work on your seating, you still have six regular season games left uh, scheduled. And then you have a Big East tournament. So from now to March 13th seems like an eternity. Uh, so we're excited about where we are today, Andy. We know we got a lot of work to do. We've got some great teams that we're about to go up against, but the possibilities are there, the opportunities there, and we want to try to make sure we maximize them if those things come to. Last two things, Ed, you know, last year when I did a couple of your games in the alumni gym, game would end, complete silence. It was just us in the gym. <laughs> you know, now it's crazy at the dunk. Masks or no masks, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's been loud, crazy. Um, just give me the juxtaposition of what you went through last year versus what you're experiencing this year. It is a totally different feel, Andy, just the anticipation of going to the Dunkin' Donuts Center versus going to Alumni Hall where there's the energy from just the music. But when you have physical energy, body energy, facial energy, the players feed off that. And I can say I've been here now, this is my 11th season. This has been by far the best home court I've been around. And I'm not just talking about here at Providence. I'm talking about nationally in my 28 years coaching, the energy, the atmosphere, our students. I mean, we sell out our student section every game. So I think we get 1,800 students a game for a population of, you know, 4,200 people. And basically half your student body comes. That's big time. And, you know, and they make it a really difficult place to play. And we're going to need them as we have four more home games left. So it's just, a, I mean, it's it's what college basketball is all about. It's what college sport is all about when you have a community engaged and they help you get over the hump. Playing there, you know, it's worth two or three points a game. As I was saying before about the potential of this group, I, I don't think there's any question. If you win the Big East, and right now you're in first place by two games, the winner of the Big East legitimately is a team that can go 
all the way, Final Four, whatever, you name it, uh, because you've gone through that gauntlet. What is the potential of this group? I still think we're improving. You know, we have areas that we have to improve on for sure. You know, I still say the ceiling. You know, I mean, we, we still have a long way to go and I and, and we are getting better. And that's what I and you gotta, and it's in small increments. And I think because you've won some games and you have a, a winning streak, people overlook your shortcomings. And we still have them and they're there, trust me. You know, so we gotta limit our mistakes. We still have to take care of the ball, have to continue to share the ball. You know, we gotta stay out of foul trouble. You know, it's it's never ending on improvement, yet this team has showed resilience. We have shown we can come back. We have shown we can respond after a disappointing loss. So, you know, they're a fun group, Andy. Just when you've got older guys, you're not concerned with trying to help them grow up, so to speak, within college. You know, we have seven, eight seniors, of which seven play a lot of minutes. So they've been in some high-level games, tough environments, tough coaching. It's, you know, can we stay consistent and can we stay hungry and humble? And I appreciate it. Thrilled for your success. Uh, it's going great. Let's hope it continues. Hope so, Andy. Thanks a lot for having me on, my brother. I love you. Appreciate you. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, time for Katz Ranks here on March Madness Men's Basketball. My top 10 title contenders here in mid-February. These are not a ranking. These are my top 10 title contenders. One, Gonzaga. Why? Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, experienced backcourt, and a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after what happened last year. I think Gonzaga enters right now as the team to be to win the title. Not necessarily number one, because I, well, they could be. I have Auburn one. Two, Illinois. Love the Illini. Kofi Coburn, dominant presence. We saw that last week. He was our national player of the week. So I have the Illini in that second position. Trent Frazier, Andre Corbello, when they're all healthy. Alfonso Plummer, they can make shots, cause problems. Love this team at the two spot. Three, Kentucky. Oscar Sheway, double-double machine. Unbelievable. Inside. Oh, and then the perimeter. Went healthy. Savory Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, and Kellen Grady making shots. For Purdue. Zach Eady, Travion Williams. Who else has that kind of combination? J.D. Ivey, one of the most electrifying players in the country, and Sasha Stavanovich can bury shots. So can Eric Conner. They can, uh, you know, they've got all the pieces to win the title. Five Auburn. You say, wait, wait, wait. They're your number one. How are they number five in your list? experience and they just put this team together love the team but winning the title i'm not quite sure yet same thing at duke yes one more junior experienced player so they're at six but they're relying heavily on freshmen paulo Boncaro, trevor keels aj griffin unbelievable talents all nba players but experience matters seven kansas that's why i've got the jayhawks there oche abaji went healthy David McCormack, Christian Braun, see if Remy Martin, you know, ends up being a major contributor. Look, they have all the pieces to win the title and experience. Eight UCLA, that may surprise some people because they're not playing as well right now, but look, they were in the Final Four, the whole team's back. They added Miles Johnson, Peyton Watson, David Singleton's playing better, and Johnny Juzang, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, that core three, they can win it. Nine, Arizona. Love this Wildcat team. Kirk Krista. Look, electrifying player, up and down, great energy. Not a high flyer, but just he's all over the place. Benedict Mathurin, he's an All-American. They got the pieces, but they don't have the experience. That's why I put them lower. And then at 10, Providence, the Friars. Nate Watson, healthy, great big man in college basketball. 
Jared Bynum, playing well as the point guard. Al Durham, transfer from Indiana experience. And a glue guy, Noah Horkler. The Friars have the experience. And look, as I'm talking to you, they are number one in the Big East by two games. If they win the Big East, they are a title contender. That's my top 10 title contenders in order here in mid-February. And now joining me here on March Madness Men's Basketball, here is Travis Williams, who's uh, leading the charge with the HBCU All-Stars. And this will occur at the Final Four in New Orleans. This is new, and it's great. Uh, Travis, let's, let's backtrack. How did this occur? Wow. First of all, Andy, I thank you for having me on your show. It's, it's, you know, I've followed your career so much, man, throughout the years and just uh, really respect you in this space, man. So just to tell you how I started, man, it's, this vision is God driven. So this was launched in October 2019. And so we had an opportunity to do something that's never been done. The first ever HBCU All-Star game during the Final Four, as you know, college basketball's biggest weekend. And so we were scheduled in 2020 to do it at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. And as, as you know, the pandemic hit. And so it pretty much just shut the world down um, in that regards. But things started opening back up. And then with the 2021, with all the restrictions kind of put in place and then getting an opportunity to sign a, a partnership with with CBS Sports and just excited about that, we decided let's focus on the inaugural one. There's no better place than like New Orleans, Louisiana. And so from that time that uh, we ended up signing a deal with my team, HBC All-Stars, signing a partnership with uh, CBS Sports, we decided let's focus our efforts and energy in New Orleans. And so we're excited. I think what are we like around about 50, 55 days until um, the final four weekend in, in New Orleans. So this is a dream come true. You know, as you know, my background, eight of my 17 years were at a historical black college and university as a former head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State University, Fort Valley State University. So this is both a personal and a professional journey, something that hasn't been done. And so, as you know, any opportunity we can really get opportunity to showcase the best in black college basketball, you know, our hardworking, talented and ambitious HBCU student athletes. And of course, our brilliant coaches from our MEAC, our SWAC, our CIAA, our SIEC and our independent schools, uh, Tennessee State, Hampton and North Carolina A&T that play in you know, the Big South and the OVC. The time is now. And so when it was launched a few years ago, it was launched with the mentality. This is long overdue. First of all, I appreciate it. And a couple of things. Uh, house cleaning here. First, number one, you rattled off D1 and non-D1. So I just want to be clear. So the HBCU All-Stars, they come from any HBCU, regardless of division. Is that true? Nope. Well, let me go ahead and put in this country. Oh, okay. Go. Yeah, you tell me. Yeah, let me put in this country. Hey, hey, you got to go with the best. Team John McClendon versus Team Clarence Big House Games. Two of the most legendary figures ever that have graced this great game of, of college basketball. And so we have a team, John McClendon, the MEAC and the SIC All-Stars, which is Division One and Division Two, versus Clarence Big House Games, our SWAC and CIAA All-Stars. And then we'll put our independence on their respective team. And so for you just following this, we have a HBCU All-Stars watch list now currently with over 61 of our players. It's on our CBS Sports website. We do player and team of the week. And so, like I said, it's Division One. And Division Two, because as you know, there's some talented basketball players, and we want to be able to showcase the best in black college basketball. And when I say that, there are 48 to 49 HBCUs in those respective conferences. Andy. And so think about it. It's 48 to 49 compete for 24 
exclusive coveted spots. So here's what I love. Uh, in the last couple of years, and we're recording this, you know, in the middle of Black History Month, but it doesn't matter. I mean, this is yeah. 365. And really, that we've seen a, a seismic shift in the last two years. Really, obviously, we can point back to yeah. uh, George Floyd's murder and really things changing for the better since then in exposure, coverage, the keyword you said, opportunity. I mean, think back to what's happened with the SWAC Pac-12 deal, where yeah. the Pac-12, beginning next season, will do home and homes with SWAC schools. Yeah. We have seen Notre Dame play at Howard. I know that was supposed to happen last year, but now it, it did happen. Uh, Kentucky has done a deal with Southern. Uh, so more and more opportunities. And John Calipari has been great with the John McClendon. Yep. Um, that opportunity of driving more opportunities for young African-American or, or people of color to get more opportunities in sports, and not just in sports, but that yep. diversity pledge. So all these things are happening. And as we've seen, you know, especially in the NBA draft process, mm -hmm. um, because I've covered that for a long time, you know, the NBA draft does a great job of finding other individuals, but naturally it comes from the top leagues. We know that. And this is a great opportunity for exposure for HBCUs, D1, D2, to get that at the Final Four national broadcast and for those scouts to see these players who they may not see, certainly in person or during the course of the regular season. So just overall, I know I kind of gave one a little monologue here, but what have you thought about the way things have changed to lead up to this point? It has changed, you know, and all those events that you mentioned, I attended a lot of those events. You know, I had the opportunity to go to the Michael B. Jordan class and really see up and close because we're following our watch list players to get an opportunity to see that. Next week, I'm going to the NBA All-Star to watch, you know, Morgan and Howard University, where we have five or six of our prestigious HBCU All-Stars. So those events really change the trajectory of our HBCUs. So there's a lot of momentum, a lot of push that's been out there. And like I mentioned to you, this was launched in 2019 before all of that. And so that's, we, we want to keep pushing it, push it from every angle. And you can't get any better from all those events I just mentioned leading to college basketball biggest weekend because why? All eyes and attention are on the Final Four. You know, Super Bowl will be over this week. You know, so it's all about the basketball. It's all about our college sports. You know, it's all about New Orleans. It's all about putting our HBCUs, and I do mean to say that, our HBCUs front and center because we haven't been in this space. I think you saw it last year. First time history, Johnny Jones and Robert Jones, two HBCUs made history in the first four. And then what happens? They go play the number one teams in the country, Gonzaga and Michigan. But we want our HBCU also to know they can progress more than that term. We don't want them to be a, a, a first four playing. And then you don't hear about our HBCUs. Yep. But now we have a great opportunity. Regardless of that, we're going to announce our HBCUs, the top 24 players, after Selection Sunday on that Monday, March the 14th. So while all eyes will be, you know, filling out their brackets, on, this is an opportunity for us. Because as you and I know, our HBCUs will probably be in those first four, you know, unless something just miraculous happened. And so we get an opportunity from that point on. Yep. When we have all our viewership on our HBCU All-Stars, all the way through leading up to the Final Four. And so that's history in the making, but also we need everybody supporting this. You know, I think that's really, really important. We need everybody. Well, and, and like, you know, what, what you said, first of all, I think that's great because we'll get plenty of exposure off of that, you know, out of the first four. You can talk about players on the floor who are part of this uh, and it'll continue in the weeks ahead. And then also, 
look, Atlanta obviously has a rich history. That was the plan in 2020. Um, it wasn't going to work in the bubble at 21. I get it. Uh, but just the fact that it's in New Orleans, which has such a rich history, yes. which HBCUs, it feels like it's just meant to be, meant to be. you know, that that's where this will debut in its, um, you know, so in all its glory, uh, final four weekend. So, um, I, I love this. I think this is great. We're going to keep, you know, uh, retweeting and, and pushing this. So just so everyone remembers when is the game? And where can they watch it Final Four weekend? Perfect. I'm glad you asked that. And like I said, thank you for this platform. The game is on Sunday, April the 3rd, 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time at the University of New Orleans, beautiful Lakefront Arena, one day before the men's national championship game. On CBS Television Network, and I'm going to say this again, CBS Television Network, with over 122 million to subscribers. So our goal is not only to pack that 10,000-seater arena out of Lakefront Arena, but also to have all eyes glued in on this very special and historic day. That is important. So make sure you go to our website, www.hbcuallstargame.com. Purchase tickets. Go to our social media. It's HBCU All-Star Game, HBCU All-Star Game Experience. Follow HBCU All-Star LLC. And just understand this. Hey, we have college admissions fair that'll be hosted at, at the, on the beautiful campus of Dillard University. We're doing community outreach at Kingsley House there where we get an opportunity to really pour into that family. And one thing about this, Andy, we have our CBS Sports partners that'll be there helping us feed 500 families at the Kingsley House there. And then I think this point here is really going to hit home for you. Like you mentioned, all the NBA scouts and agents, everything will be in town watching our Final Four teams there in New Orleans, the Blue Bloods, as we call it. But we have this great opportunity to do a pro day combine within our All-Star. So you're there for the Final Four? Well, hop, just drive a few minutes and come and watch our HBCU All-Stars up close and personal. Because many, as you know, many of our guys don't get invited to the Chicago pre-draft camps or any of this thing. We're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to do their measurables, the agility, and we're going to make this very up and close where they can get a real thorough scouting evaluation. So we want all our NBA colleagues, international colleagues, G League colleagues, we want them here to watch and be a part of this exciting moment. And I can't tell you enough, historic moment. It's never been done during Final Four weekend. Love it. And by the way, I have to shout out because Turner Sports has done a great job uh, during the regular season uh, yeah. of, of getting games on television as well. Uh, this is awesome, Travis. I appreciate having a chance to catch up with you and us you know, using this platform to promote it. Can't wait. Final Four weekend leading up to this HBCU All-Stars. We will see you there. Appreciate you, Travis. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. And now joining me here on March Madness Men's Basketball, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. And Chet had quite a week last week. A uh, couple of games against San Diego and BYU on Thursday of last week. 23 points, 12 boards, four blocks. That was at San Diego. Then on Saturday at BYU, you had 20 points, 17 boards, six assists, and five blocks at BYU. Clearly your most productive week among many this season. What was the biggest difference on the road for you? Uh, I'd just say uh, it was a culmination of everything this season. You know, continuing to uh, prepare and listen to the coaches and, uh, you know, my teammates around me. You know, just take everything and learn from it. Uh, you know, if you learn from everything, you should be better next week than you were last week. So uh, that's what I think it was. You know, you've had sort of a natural progression that I think most normal freshmen have. 
How has that, though, tried your patience that, you know, it's just taking some time, which is really human nature. It just, it, it shouldn't all happen, you know, right overnight when you go from one level to the next, from high school to major college. Yeah, you know, uh, not at all. Uh, it didn't test my patience at all, you know. Uh, I was never that guy who just, you know, showed up and was, you know, always better than everybody. So, you know, I've been there before and, you know, it's nothing new to me. You know, I'm going to just show up every day, uh, do what I got to do to you know, be the best me. Uh, and hopefully that's starting to show. You know, the other thing that happened earlier in the season is your defense, I think, was ahead of your offense. You were able to obviously alter shots, block shots, and really be a post presence as your offense developed. Um, how did you see the way defense happened a little bit before your offensive production? You know, I've always been somebody who takes pride in playing defense. So, you know, if, if you can't play defense, you know, you're hurting your team out there. Even if you're scoring 30, you know, if you give up 30, you're not, you know, really helping your team. So, you know, I've always taken pride in defense. And, you know, that's always been, you know, one of my advantages within my game. So, you know, uh, I'm going to try and play to my strengths as always. And defense has been one of them. And, you know, the offense is, you know, starting to fit in uh, and really figure out where to pick my spots. And, uh, you know, now both sides are starting to come. In your high school career, uh, I mean, you, you obviously never played with someone like Drew Timmy. Um, what's it been like to play with such a, an experienced, seasoned college forward who's going to be a pro uh, that knows how to do, sort of work the angles and do all the little things to take some pressure off of you? Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody's played with anybody like Drew Timmy unless you played with Drew Timmy uh, himself. Uh, definitely one of a kind on and off the court. Uh, great guy, great player. Uh, but, you know, that's been, you know, a great part within this process, having, you know, not only great coaches, but, you know, great players that I'm playing with out there on the court, you know, helping me out uh, every single day in practice, just learning from them, taking tips. And, you know, he's been super helpful and a great leader in that way, too, not only with myself, but with a lot of the younger uh, talent on our team as well. Uh, you know, he's been a great uh, leadership role for us. So, so often players and teams learn from losses, at least you would hope they would. What did this group learn from the Duke game, which was an unbelievable game, went down the last couple of possessions, and especially that Alabama game in Seattle. Yeah, you know, we learned a lot. Uh, you know, one that, you know, every single day we have to show up and give our best, uh, especially when you're playing for Gonzaga basketball. You know, you're everybody's Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, you got to bring your A game because everybody else is bringing their A game. And that was the top lesson I'd say we brought away from those games. The other thing, too, is a lot of teams have struggled in their post-COVID, you know, pause at some point this season. Um, you guys didn't. I mean, you're obliterating the competition in the West Coast Conference. What do you attribute that to? I don't think you could really point it uh, at one thing. I'd say it's a culmination of everything. Uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, the coaching staff we have here and, you know, all the great players we have on the team. Uh, and, you know, everybody here shows up on a daily basis trying to be their best selves and, you know, accumulatively uh, trying to be the best team that we can be. And, you know, when you do that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a, a COVID pause or not. You know, we show up every day to be great. You know, your good friend Jalen Suggs helped lead Gonzaga to the national championship game last season. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to play in front of fans home or road like you are. But you obviously watched that team and saw the difference. But now you're playing in front of a Pat Kennel, rowdy crowds on the road. What's it been like to be in those environments? Man, it's great. You know, basketball on its own is, you know, something that I love to do and it's great. But, you know, when you bring fans into it, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And you know, having fans not only in the kennel, but on road games as well, the neutral sites and stuff, having these crazy packed stadiums, you know, it definitely brings the energy level during games uh, to a whole new level. And, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to describe, but it's, it's a great experience. You know, one of the big things about being at Gonzaga is competing for a number one seed, a conference championship, and obviously a national championship. 
All those things are within reach. How much are those steps basically laid out for you guys of what, you know, can be achieved with this group? Because it's all right still out in front of you. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, you know, we're not too focused on three weeks from now, you know, a month from now. We have the long road in sight, but at the end of the day, uh, coach says it all the time. You know, we have to be here today and execute today. So uh, that's what we try to do. We just try to show up every single day and, you know, build brick by brick. And hopefully that leads to, you know, having a great foundation uh, when we get to those points in the season. So, Che, you're having a great time. It appears on the outside. How much fun are you having with this? Oh, I'm just, you know, blessed to be here in this position and, you know, blessed to have this experience, you know, so I'm just trying to have as much fun with it as I can. You know, I've been told it goes fast and, you know, I'm definitely feeling that right now. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. All right. Last thing, Chet, I give you a block shot, a three pointer, a dunk when you're the trailer. Which one would you take that you maybe uh, enjoy the most? I don't think it'd be one over the other. I think I'd try to string them together in a sequence. That would be what I'd try to do. But, uh, you know, I don't think I could pick one over the other. They're all pretty, pretty good options. Well, you're excelling in all of them. Chet, appreciate it, uh, the time. And obviously, it's been a pleasure watching you. I know there's more great things to come from you and Gonzaga this season. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness Men's Basketball. Appreciate Abby Stoltz, our producer, leading the charge here. Our entire team at Bleacher Report, Turner Sports, Warner Media, and, of course, everyone at NCAA.com repurposing this podcast for you and everyone else that's engaging with us. We appreciate it. We're getting in the stretch run here in February. Thanks for listening, everyone. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.